0: For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson. And before I get to the latest readout from our Wednesday Wake Up newsletter, and recommend our new Little Ice Age video, complete with pretty pictures, I need to show you some pictures that aren't pretty. In case you lack that certain style, there's this site called Pinterest that invites you to, quote, discover recipes, home ideas, style inspiration, and other ideas to try, end quote. For instance, crushing climate deniers' tiny heads. Pinterest's new climate change misinformation policy is just about the most aggressive thing out there online. You have to tunnel down through advertising guidelines into sensitive content to get to this, quote, false or misleading, including conspiracy theories, misinformation, and disinformation, also includes climate change denial or misrepresentation of well-established scientific consensus around the causes or impacts of and solutions for climate change, End quote. Now, we're not suggesting that you sign up and post things about the carbon footprint of cooking with gas or decorating your home stylishly or wearing trendy clothes or any of that stuff. But we do want to remind you that with big tech so woke that coffee's in danger, Pinterest also bans weight loss ads for instance, you should subscribe to our email newsletter and bookmark us on Rumble, which we're a climate DN, just in case we suddenly go down on the YouTube or something perhaps for mocking the decision by President Joe Biden to release a million barrels of oil a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve for up to six months. The New York Times explains that, quote, the idea would be to combat rising prices at the pump, end quote. But wasn't the whole idea to fight climate change by pushing up prices at the pump so that people would stop using carbon-intensive fuels? Isn't that why Biden was nixing pipelines, drilling, and fracking? Wasn't scarce expensive gas exactly what everyone who's anyone wanted to save the planet? Dang. In fact, the US Strategic Reserve does not contain, is not meant to contain, and could not possibly contain enough energy to power the American economy indefinitely or even to affect prices over six months. It's a stopgap strategic asset, and an important one to keep the American government, including its military, operating in the event of a crisis involving widespread infrastructure breakdown. That way they can survive the immediate chaos, restore order, and get the private economy working again, including that bit about producing and transporting energy. Exactly what their government is now committed to preventing and facilitating at the same time. Meanwhile, in Ottawa, after much fancy talk, the Canadian government finally unveiled a real plan to combat climate change. Or so they'd have you think. And they keep tweeting and retweeting the media-friendly phrase, quote, an ambitious, and achievable roadmap, end quote. And Justin Trudeau almost sounded reasonable in toning that, quote, we put down a clear track for where the oil and gas sector needs to go. It's also something that I know engineers and workers in the oil and gas sector are going to be able to do as we move toward a better future and better jobs, end quote. It gives the impression of a wise statesman steering, not rowing, in the old cliché, or endorsing the mixed economy in the even older cliché, Choosing a prudent path between rapacious capitalism on the one hand and sophomore socialism on the other, but in fact Trudeau is telling people to do something that he has no idea how to accomplish, and he's making it sound like an accomplishment. As one secondary headline put it, quote, "Proposal lacks details," critics say. End quote. And while we don't really care for that journalistic "critics say" meme any more than experts say, in this case the critics are right. As that story went on to say. Quote, a proposed carbon capture and storage tax is mentioned in the plan, but there are no details about it. Nor is there information on a proposed cap for emissions from the sector, end quote. As Dan McTeague has pointed out, empty words and disappointing results are old news here in Canada. Quote, given that emissions have dropped a mere 1% over the last 15 years or so, the suggestion that we can now make emissions fall more than 40% in the next 8 years is absolutely absurd, end quote. In the plan, there's a bit about requiring more and more light vehicles to be electric. But with no idea how to amp up the grid to charge them all, this approach is neither steering nor rowing. It's just saying, are we there yet? Or perhaps, we want you to ride a unicorn, and you better furnish one, because we're going to shoot your horse regardless. The Globe and Mail was impressed anyway, starting a news story with, quote, Ottawa has unveiled its new plan to cut greenhouse gas emissions, a sector-by-sector blueprint that dramatically increases the pressure on the oil and gas industry and forces a faster change in the driving habits of Canadians, end quote. Blueprint? One of those things with a lot of details and everything connected up? Show us. Even the Globe admitted backhandedly that there's no actual reason to think it will work, the federal government said on Tuesday that it's going to spend an additional $9.1 billion as it promises to achieve what Canada has failed to do over three decades of climate policies, meet the goals that it sets. But the globe fails to observe that in a nation with a $1.6 trillion GDP that produces $175 billion in energy alone every year, $9.1 billion is a laughable sum, even to a government that routinely runs 100 billion dollar plus deficits while piling promise on political coalition. And now, a word from our sponsor, and that's you, or at least it should be. Because if you want us to keep annoying the right people with our newsletters and our videos, you, our regular viewers, need to step up with a one-time or monthly contribution. I'm not talking a lot of money, unless you're extra rich. The price of a cup of coffee a month That's what we need from the 10,000 or so people who tune in weekly. If you do that, the video and the newsletter will keep bringing sanity to the climate debate and to you. And now, back to me. In the Financial Post, McGill economist William Watson surveys the Canadian government's dismal record of failed climate pledges in even more detail and delivers this verdict. Quote, "...an institution, the federal government, that has struggled for 15 years to replace just a few dozen obsolete fighter jets, supposedly is going to oversee the radical transformation of a modern economy in just eight years. It would be laughable if it weren't also so frightening." End quote. And then he makes the even more surprising suggestion that if such a thing must be attempted, let it be fools making the attempt. Quote, "...if you think central planning is disastrous for economies, and it is, do you want your central planners to be competent and efficient, Or do you want them to be jokers engaged in barely concealed fraud, end quote? But if that's the good news, we don't want to hear the bad. Here it is anyway. In discussing the IPCC, Ron Barmby quotes international man of central banking, UN special envoy on climate action and finance, and high-flying political savior-in-waiting Mark Carney, that humanity must learn to live in a carbon budget, people who aren't visionary leaders like him tend to be tragically short-sighted, and, quote, Scientists have concluded that the pace of global warming is roughly proportional to the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, end quote. Which, Barnby points out, is utter rubbish. What most scientists actually believe is that every doubling of the amount of atmospheric CO2 produces the same absolute increase in temperature. So it's not proportional, it's logarithmic. And while perhaps math isn't your thing, it is essential bankers, or so you'd hope. So... Carney should know that that term logarithmic means a curve that bends rapidly downward toward an almost flat slope. For instance, if doubling CO2 really does produce an increase of, say, 1.5 degrees, and on that latter number, also known as ECS or equilibrium climate sensitivity, scientists are anything but united, then going from a pre-industrial 280 parts per million to 560 means the planet gets 1.5 degrees warmer than when the Albert Memorial was built. But then you have to go up not another 280 parts per million to 840, but another 560 to 1120 to get another 1.5 and a 2,240 to get another 1.5, which is impossible. Though it is possible that ECS is lower still, and that getting to 11:20 would only bring two degrees of warming. The point is, Carney shouldn't need logarithmic explained to him, but if he does, or ECS, you wonder what else he doesn't know, including why he, of all people, is the UN Special Envoy on Climate. Something else we don't know, and Rex Murphy questions in the National Post, is how Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau can claim that, quote, in the global fight against climate change, Canada is leading the way, end quote, when nobody's following us. Yeah, a frequent excuse for crippling our own economy by suppressing fossil fuels, even though our contribution to global human GHGs is trivial, is that we're setting an example. Oh really, Murphy asks? To whom? Who is doing what we're doing, or is citing our shining virtuous lead when announcing their own policies? For instance, he asks, quote, Does Canada nullify China's massive indifference to this whole hysteria, end quote? And what of Russia? Or India? Murphy concludes that, quote, We are not leaders in the fight against global climate change, we are stooges in a mock show of virtue signaling." But there's another term for someone who believes he's leading but has no followers, and it's delusional. That term also applies to people who think that computer climate models are worth the electricity that it takes to run them. A recent study of climate models concludes, once again, that they're badly distorted. Actually, that's pretty clear to everyone who's not inside the climate echo chamber, even if an alarmist outlet like Inside Climate News actually believes in the crop failures taking place inside a computer, despite the bountiful harvests out in some dirty fields out there. But on What's Up With That, Mike Jonas says, quote, I find it difficult to believe that any rational person could still believe that climate models can work, given the IPCC statement that long-term prediction of future climate states is not possible because climate is non-linear. That's chaotic in the technical-mathematical sense. And then he cites the so-called 100,000-year problem. See, if you ask alarmists to have one of their fancy digital simulations explain the coming of the Pleistocene ice age about two and a half million years ago and then its irregular sequence of glaciations and brief though mercifully warm interglacials like the one we're in now, they pat you on the head and say that stuff isn't about CO2, it only became the main driver of global temperature about 50 years ago in some weird change in the laws of physics. This glaciation thaw business is explained by the famous Milankovitch cycles. These are wobbles in the Earth's spin and orbit that affect how much sunlight hits the northern hemisphere where most of the land is located versus the southern hemisphere that's mostly ocean. And then they say, well, there's this one weird thing. For about 1.6 million years, the glaciations seem to happen roughly every 41,000 years, and then they switched to 100,000 years, and we have no idea why. Jonah says, aha, there's actually no such pattern. Really what's going on is a 21,000 year cycle, but sometimes it skips a beat because climate is nonlinear. And because climate is nonlinear, linear doesn't respond well to algebra, no computer can say why. In fact, CO2-obsessed computer models have surprisingly little to say about paleoclimate, including why the Earth hadn't seen an ice age at all since before the dinosaurs, and then the Pleistocene started 2.6 million years ago. And we say if you can't predict the known past, we have little faith in your capacity to foresee the unknown future. But we also say that if you can only predict the past, including which glaciations failed to happen on Q by kludging the model, you're just faking it and your model is worth nothing. This conclusion is bolstered by a new peer-reviewed assessment of the latest generation of computer climate models by Professor Nicolas Scafetta of the University of Naples Department of Earth Sciences. He starts by saying there are about 40 major climate models and their estimates of ECS, the impact of increasing CO2, vary by a factor of three from about 1.8 degrees Celsius if you double atmospheric CO2 to about 5.7 degrees Celsius, which right away tells you there's a lot of guesswork rather than settled empirical data involved. But then he shows that all the models flub the known warming from 1980 to 2021, though the low-sensitivity models come closest to reality. So basically, if you assume CO2 doesn't cause a lot of warming and you make your computer say so, it's close. If you assume it causes a lot and make your computer say so, your computer's way wrong. But either way, it's unfair to blame or credit the computer, which can't model climate anyway. It's just whether you made a sound assumption that CO2 is not pollution or a wacky one that it is. And speaking of predictions, CDN has now wrapped up its sunburnt lands at North Tour, having had quite enough of winter, and we're heading somewhere warm, though unfortunately only digitally, to examine how much the oceans are really rising in various places we actually wish we were located or were visiting that the alarmists say are about to be washed away. And we're doing it using the handy online data archive at the Permanent Service for Mean Sea Level at Liverpool's National Oceanography Centre and we're focusing on places with continuous records back at least to 1980, starting this week in sunny Monterey, California. That's odd. Seas are rising there at about 1.2 millimeters a year, which means it will take 799 years to rise one meter. No need to rush to construct that seawall dudes. Now even worse, or better depending on your perspective, we present an item from the CO2Science.org archive that looks at sea ice around Antarctica, which you may have been told is part of this great melt that's currently failing to raise sea levels. Oddly, many researchers have examined that ice and they keep saying there's more of it over time, not less. But don't tell Mark Carney, Justin Trudeau or Joe Biden or their computers might crash. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson and there's a video you can pin if you like living dangerously.